Hello and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher. And I'm Nicholas Naoti, video producer at iPhone Life. This is our second episode that we're recording with Nicholas as a guest. He, uh, as he said, he's a video editor here. And uh, we're excited to have him on today because he recently produced a FaceTime guide for our insider subscribers. And so he's learned all the ins and outs of it. And we wanted to have him on today to talk about the guide, teach you a few tips from it as well. And also just have you guys get to know Nicholas a little bit because he's awesome. <laughs> hey, Nicholas. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for having me on again. The Nicholas. Also, oh, go I, ahead. I was going to, well, I was going to interrogate Nicholas, but you, you can finish your intro first. That's fine. <laughs> okay. I was just going to say, we're also going to uh, fill you in on some Apple news. Apple has announced its dates for the Worldwide Developers Conference that it's holding online only this June. Also, Apple released a MacBook, so we want to talk about that as well. And we also have some good content recommendations for all of you who are still practicing social distancing uh, during this coronavirus pandemic. And so we have some, some ideas for you to help keep you entertained right now. Now you can give Nicholas a hard time. Okay, <laughs> Nicholas. Tell us, I, I have some questions for you so our audience can get to know you a little bit. Uh, what Apple devices do you have? Um, I have a kind of an old iPhone. I'm holding out for the newer one mm. whenever, whenever <laughs> they announce a new one in August or whenever. Um, but I also have an iPad Pro. I have an iPad Mini and a MacBook. And I have two MacBooks, in fact. I use one for music and one for video editing and stuff. Nice. And what what's your favorite? You, yeah, what's your favorite? Um, I the new iPad Pro is amazing. I use it all the time, like every day. Actually, I use it with the Bridge Pro Plus, um, which is like a keyboard and trackpad, which kind of makes it into like a little computer. That's Super. cool. Yeah, in our current how-to guide, Nicholas, you wrote that uh, how-to roundup of iPad Pro tips, and I learned a ton. So oh I yeah, like yeah, I could I could really tell you've been like using all the multitasking features, which is definitely. Although some of them, I f I do find some of those multitasking features to be a little bit unintuitive, like exiting the the split view is kind of confusing but it can be really useful, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, they're definitely unintuitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I was excited to have you write the article is I think a lot of people with, with iPads just don't even use any of those features because it's not apparent how to do it unless you like, spend some time digging around and learning. Right, and, I uh, think it's the limitation yeah. of the touch screen. Like, you just, you're limited to like just touch gestures. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some of it, I think, is the operating system, and I, I think they're getting better at it. But the thing is, is the operating system was originally designed for mobile, whereas, like, if you have a more computer-based operating system where, where you have Windows and they overlap, and you have a mouse and you can switch easier, it's just a lot easier to multitask on a more computer-based operating system. Nicholas, sure, but they are. I mean, they are in like now with the trackpad integration and stuff. It's getting getting more like that. It's getting better. It's getting better. Nicholas, what was the app for the iPad Pro, the, the art app that you that we were playing with at CES? Oh, Procreate. Um, yeah, this is like my most used app for sure. 
Um, it, it's like kind of like a stripped down version of like Photoshop or Illustrator, but it works really well with the Apple Pencil. Um, you can like draw these beautiful th things and it's, it's, you can have endless amounts of layers. Lately, I just learned how to do animations with it, which I'm just Ooh, cool. sort of scratching the surface, but um, I've always been interested in animating, but it's sort of overwhelming, um, but it makes it really simple. Yeah, I love Procreate. I can't recommend that enough. And I thought it was a it was a fun use of it when we were all we went to a conference together and we basically passed it around and each person would add a layer to the drawing. So in the end, you ended up with this like collaborative drawing that we had all done together, which was really fun. So much fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like the furthest thing from an artist, and I still I thought it was like really fun playing with it, and I thought that like what we came up with looked really good. Some of that is because it was collaborative and not just me, but still, I think for like people listening who are like, oh, it's an art app, that's not for me. I would encourage you to give it a try because yeah, I think anybody can have fun with it. Yeah, it's very approachable. And I think it's only like eight bucks or something, which is super worth that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like okay, it's time to talk about our first sponsor. Yeah, I was just gonna say, soap, and I want uh, David and Nicholas probably should both tell us about it because Nicholas is also um, does ad. He's an ad specialist at iPhone Life as well, so him and David work together on that. Okay, so yeah, I'm really excited to tell you guys about Phone Soap. They're another advertiser where it we found their product, we used it, we've talked about it for as an editorial perspective, and I love it. And so I wanted to make sure that our audience got to hear about it and we went out and we said you guys need to advertise to our audience so it's a product that we all have used and we love and it's particularly relevant right now and basically what it is is it's a device where you put your phone in or really most small devices you can put in and it uses uv light to kill bacteria and viruses um and so it's really relevant we talked about it on our uh coronavirus workshop uh it's really useful right now it's medically proven um, yeah that's the thing about phone soap our our editorial team wrote about it before they were even a sponsor and leanne did a dig on on the actual product and it is actually medically tested and works yeah and that's particularly relevant because right now because of the success of phone soap there's been a lot of kind of cheap chinese knockoffs which are not medically tested they're not proven. Um, so make sure you check it out. I, I can't recommend it enough for the times. Uh, and like I said, you can do it for your iPhone, which fun fact, your phone is dirtier than a toilet. <laughs> um, I learned that from my seven-year-old stepson. Uh, and so, <laughs> so go, yeah, no problem. Uh, so go check it out. You can go to phonesoap.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. If you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast. Yeah, definitely. The cool thing about it. I love phone soap. A cool thing about it too that I just wanted to mention is that UVC lights uh, in general will kill viruses on your phone, but a lot of the light bulbs that you can buy are just open bulbs that can damage your skin or eyes. And whereas the phone soap, it's basically to give you a visual, it's like a little tanning bed for your iPhone. <laughs> it like opens up, it like has the light bulbs in it, you close it, you leave it in there for three minutes and you're good to go. And you don't have to worry about like putting on protective gear or anything like that. So it's extra convenient. Mm -hmm. All right. That's our sponsor, our first sponsor for this episode. Um, next, I want to tell you about our Daily Tips newsletter. 
For those of you who are new to iPhone life, we have a free product, a free daily newsletter that I highly recommend signing up for. And when you sign up, you get a one minute tip in your inbox every day that teaches you something you didn't know how to do on your iPhone. So if you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you can sign up and start learning in just a minute a day. Uh, I want to tell you about one of our favorite tips that we've come out with recently, and that is how to, whoops, um, how to add widgets to the home screen on your iPad. And uh, I've got the steps here, but I also wanted to let Nicholas or David jump in if they want to, since they use this on their phones a lot. But first I'll just tell you, tell you about it, and then you guys can comment on how you use this feature. Um, for a long time, Android users or people who were former Android users have been complaining about the fact that there are no widgets on the iPhone or iPad. And I completely agree with this. I spent a couple of years using a Samsung, Samsung Galaxy phone. And while in every other way, I think it was worse than the iPhone, mm -hmm. I did love being able to add widgets to my home screen. And Apple, I think it was with iOS 12 or anyway, it was a couple years ago, they added widgets to the today view, which on your iPhone. So you can swipe from left to right from your home screen and you get to the today view that gives you like, you like the date and time at the top. And then you, a list of the widgets that you want there, but it's still not the same as having an actual widget just on your home screen when you go there. And so now with the, um, with the latest iPad operating system, you can add widgets straight to your home screen. Um, which, so you swipe right from to, your, to get to your today view, you'll see your list of widgets. You can scroll to the bottom and tap edit. And then from there you can tap, you can toggle on keep on your home screen and that will keep certain widgets pinned there. And I'm just curious with, to hear from you guys, which widgets do you have on your today view, if any? I have to say, I mean, first of all, just to explain what the today view is for those people who don't have an iPad, your iPad, essentially the home screen of the iPad looks like an iPhone. It has just, uh, you know, the grid of apps. And then what you do is if you enable this feature and you have your today view, all of the apps swipe over a little bit and make room on the left hand side for a little widget view. So you have both the widgets and the apps on the same screen, which is nice. I have to say, I was really excited for this feature when it came out. Um, I also have heard so much about how Android has widgets and how much better it is. I never use it. Yes, so um, anyways, the this is a feature just to try out. As David mentioned, it's not something that might that everybody will love, but for the people who do want widgets, they'll really love this feature. So I think just give it a try. Again, you're going, you swipe left to right to get to your today view, tap edit at the bottom of your display, and you'll be able to choose which widgets to keep on your home screen by doing that. All right, so next I wanna tell you about our premium subscription. I just told you about our daily tips newsletter. That's our free offering where you just get a written tip in your inbox every day. But with our insider subscription, you have access to a ton more features, including a video version of that daily tip. So you can follow along on your iPhone as you watch a video, which makes it even more, um, an even easier way to learn without hitting any roadblocks along the way. 
We also have in-depth video guides, our most recent of which is the FaceTime guide that Nicholas produced. He has comprehensive lessons that teach you how to use FaceTime start to finish, helps uh, go over any potential roadblocks and different uh, ways you would potentially want to use this feature to do group calls with family and friends and things like that. We have every year we have an iOS guide as soon as the new operating system comes out. So you're sure to learn all the new features as soon as they're available. We have a digital subscription to iPhone Life magazine. So you get more than 30 back issues and tons of con how-to content, app and gear recommendations and lifestyle articles. And uh, you also get uh, access to ask an editor. So you can send in any tech questions you have and we'll personally help you find your solution. And so I just wanted to uh, make sure that you go and sign up during this time. You probably are spending more time at home. And so it's a great time to start learning and really maximizing the use of your Apple devices. If you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you will get an extra, um, you'll get an extra discount right now. David, do you know the exact percentage off we're doing right now? I just, yeah, I we forgot. are right now. So with the release of the FaceTime guide, which Nicholas is going to go over some with us, uh, we are having a special right now where it's 50% off. So it's a really excellent deal. Uh, and that's the cheapest we ever offer it. And so we want to make this guide as accessible as possible. We're an independent publisher. iPhone Life is our only title and subscriptions are our main revenue source. So we have to keep charging for Insider, of course, but we want to make it accessible for everybody because we know that FaceTime is something that people are really valuing right now in order to stay in touch with their friends and family. So we're offering it for 50% off. We're also really proud to offer an additional 10% discount for seniors, veterans, healthcare professionals, and service personnel. So that's 60% off if you're in that group. So if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you can get that. We have a great question that an insider recently sent in that our, uh, one of our staff writers, Colin Thomas and video editors uh, helped solve for them. And I just wanted to read it out to you in case it would help any of you listeners at home. Here's what it is. I have an iPhone 11 Pro and iPad Pro, both with updated iOS. How do I sync the books app on both and also hopefully on my MacBook Air? Sincerely, Reader. Now, this is a good question. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to check out the Apple Books app instead of only using Kindle, um, which has been you know, more widely used. So we think it's great. I'm also in the process of learning more about the books app and giving that a try. So. Let's hear what Colin had to say. Howdy reader, the books app synchronization through the iCloud is a great feature. It works through the iCloud drive service. So what actually happens is each of your separate devices uploads its data to the Apple iCloud servers where they're stored and then distributed to the rest of the devices that are signed into the same iCloud account. To make it work, you'll need to be using the same Apple ID on all of your devices and all your devices need to have iCloud Drive activated with books set to synchronize. So you go to the settings app on your iPhone and iPad, tap the name at the top, then tap iCloud, scroll down the list of iCloud synced apps to make sure that books is toggled on. This will set the books app to send its data to your iCloud Drive. 
On your Mac, you'll go through a similar process. You open the Apple menu, click system preferences, internet accounts, and then select iCloud. On the right, you'll see a list of applications and you'll make sure that books is toggled on as well. Since both of these are normally toggled on by default, it's important that you make sure your Apple ID is the same on all your devices. That could be the issue, so that should allow synchronization once you have all your devices signed in with the same Apple ID. I hope that helps, cheers. Um, so I think this question highlights a really important point that helps with a lot more than just the Books app, and that's that to take advantage of any of Apple's services in the best way possible, you want them to sync across all your Apple devices. And to do that, you need to be logged in with your Apple ID on all your devices. So for instance, the Notes app, it's the same thing. If you wanna take a note on your iPhone and have it show up on your MacBook, you need to be signed into the same Apple ID account on both your devices. Yes, and I also, I mean, we get into our little Apple ID rants from time to time because it's one of the most common <laughs> issues. I, I really strongly recommend that, of course, you're signed in the same Apple ID across your devices, but each member of your family has their own Apple ID because that really helps keep this stuff separate. And you can have family sharing set up so that you can still share things like books or apps, um, but it gets really complicated if people share Apple IDs. So don't do that and certainly don't have multiple Apple IDs. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> we have some comment, a comment from a listener from our last episode I wanted to read out to you guys too. So last episode, David and I told you all about Apple's new iPhone SE. Apple has been doing some online releases lately of products. This is the second generation iPhone SE that starts at $399. So it's quite affordable for an iPhone. It has a home button, so it doesn't have touch ID. It uh, has only a single lens camera. So it's definitely not making use of all of Apple's latest technology, but it has the latest processor. It still does portrait mode, even though it has a single lens. Um, what else? It doesn't have an OLED display, pretty obviously, but um, it's, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of any of the other new features. I think it has wireless charging, pretty sure. Do you remember, David? I'm not sure about that one, actually. Yeah, I what don't is, know. What is an OLED display? Ooh. You know? David is the Excellent master question. of telling about OLED displays. The only thing I can tell you is <laughs> that OLED displays are awesome and way better than any of the other Apple, uh, any of the other iPhone displays. Okay, Nicholas, I have a rant prepared for you that I right. do regularly on the podcast. So uh, OLED displays are really cool. Basically, traditional LED displays, how they work is they have two layers. They have a backlight and then they have a, a pixel in front of it that either displays red green or blue um, and how that and how OLED works though is each individual pixel is self-illuminated and why that's important is when you have black if you on a traditional LED you basically have a little bit of the backlight still bleed through. But if you have an OLED, you can have a true black on each pixel and you end up with a much sharper contrast and you can have a brighter color range. And so all of that's kind of a technical answer, but what ends up happening is your display looks really crisp. It has a brighter 
uh, more contrast and brighter colors. That makes sense to me. Thanks, David. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so it does not have, it doesn't have wireless charging, the iPhone SE, by the ah. way. And it does not have an OLED display. So it does, I think the biggest things that it has that are new is that it has a really good processor, so it's going to be fast. It has the A13 chip, and it, uh, it has like a lot of the new software features that still allows you to get most of what you would want from the camera, even with a single lens, although of course your photos are gonna be even better on either the, the phone, a phone that has two lenses or three lenses. Um, so yeah, we basically asked people last um, episode whether they were interested in buying the iPhone SE, whether they would recommend the iPhone SE to a friend, and specifically whether, what, like if you were comparing it to the iPhone 11, which you would go for, because before the SE came out, the iPhone 11 was kind of considered Apple's entry level newest iPhone, but it's almost twice the price. So here's what Steven wrote in. Personally, I like the smaller form factor. The iPhone SE is smaller. I have the 11 Pro now and really like it, but since the chips are the same, I think I would buy the SE. However, I do wanna wait and see how the SE fares with the upcoming 12 series. I'm always looking forward to the content that's provided by iPhone Life. Take care and stay safe. Thanks, I think that's a really good point because, and I don't know that we mentioned that in the last episode, that it's a really bad time to buy an iPhone. Even if you are interested in the SE, it makes sense to wait and see what the 12 looks like, see what the prices are, see what the features are. It'll presumably have a nicer chip. Um, and so I think it is, a you know, unless you're really committed to the smaller form factor, I would wait until September and then see what the new phones look like. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what the iPhone 12 is going to be like. And since it's like supposed to have 5G, it might end up being very expensive from what we've heard. So people might want to opt for a less expensive option, but it is always nice to wait and actually see so you know what, <laughs> you know what your options are before you decide. I don't think it'll be more expensive. I think they'll you keep at the same price. I would be shocked if they raised the price. It's already so expensive. It's yeah. true. And it's like a terrible time to be raising prices. And I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure that the 5G chip is actually really expensive. Like the thing that makes the iPhone Pros so expensive is the OLED display. Um, do you know, Donna, is the 5G chip really expensive? I don't know. I guess I have like in rumors I've read um, there, I, there was some speculation that the price would be a little higher because of the f 5G, but I didn't like, I haven't read anything that would explain oh, okay. why exactly. Like it makes more sense with the OLED display that you just talked about. Like we know that Apple raised the prices on that because it simply is more expensive to produce. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I do think it's a smart move on Apple's part to release a cheaper iPhone. Um, because a lot of people are still using iPhone six and seven and to like the, the prohibitively expensive newer ones are keeping them from upgrading. And so to release something that's got a modern chip, but is cheaper is smart. Yeah, I definitely I agree. So I, I was thinking about it after our last episode too. It's interesting because back in the day, how it used to work was that you would pay $400 upfront for an iPhone. And then basically you would pay a little bit extra 
four-year contract and you'd end up paying off the difference of your phone. So it was interesting that they priced it at exactly $400, which is sort of the traditional price point of an iPhone that people were used to before the, con the phone carriers changed their model. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I don't know. I, I personally wouldn't buy the iPhone SE, but I, I can definitely see the appeal of it. Um, and I think it's just, there's some people who get really hooked into wanting all the new features, which at this point I fall into that category. But if you just want a nice phone, like a pretty nice phone at a good price, iPhone SE is a great option. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So we have some news we want to talk about now. We, um, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Apple is doing its annual world, world, worldwide developers conference mm -hmm. all online this year, um, which for many people, most people are watching that event at home anyway. It's affecting the developers who come every year the most. Um, and Apple's doing it later than they usually do. June 22nd is now the established date for the, the start of the worldwide developers conference. And so that'll be the keynote date as well. And um, yeah, we just wanted to discuss that a little bit. Um, so everybody knows what to expect. Ooh. And the main, yeah. the main reason why WWDC is exciting is because that's when they announce the new operating systems. So that's when we'll find out what will be in iOS 14 and iPadOS 14. If there are new operating systems for the Apple Watch, for the HomePod, uh, for the Mac, that's when we'll find out about it. So there will definitely be an iOS 14. Well, I mean, almost definitely. They do it every year unless coronavirus threw them off. They'll, they will announce iOS 14. They'll announce iPadOS 14. They'll definitely announce a new Mac OS. I think they'll probably announce a new Apple TV and Apple Watch OS as well. So it's a nice time to learn what's coming. And then typically after that, they release a beta. It's usually, what is it, Donna? Usually a few weeks after then you can get the beta of the new yeah. Apple Right. Usually like a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. So then we have the beta of all these operating systems and then they go live when the iPhones come out, which is usually in September, but this year we'll have to see. There's some rumors it'll be a little bit later. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I was reassured to hear like the actual date that they're doing it. It, it seems to me just to indicate like they're moving forward with their usual cycle, even if it does have to be online. Mm -hmm. And I, I do wonder, though, how it all being online is going to affect developers. Um, what do you think? Yeah. I think that, honestly, I mean, for, I'm sure it will be less than ideal for developers, as all of this is less than ideal for all of us. But I think, think for the vast majority of us, really, WWDC just means that announcement. I, and so I think it'll be, you know, for the vast majority of us who are just following Apple, who use Apple's devices, it'll make very little difference in our lives. And I'm glad they're still doing it. I'm glad they still are having a keynote as opposed to uh, just announcing it with a press release. It's been kind of disappointing this spring. Apple's announced so many products and they've all just been press releases. And I miss the like, all of the usual pomp and circumstance that Apple has when they release a new product. You miss the fanfare. I do. <laughs> Yeah, I do. It's interesting that they decided to release products online like this instead of waiting and releasing some of them at WWDC because a lot of times Apple does have a few hardware announcements, even though it's centered around software at WWDC. Um, do you think there'll be any, any actual products this year at WWDC? 
You know, it's typically not a particularly product heavy release to begin with. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of rumors, like we've talked about, about new HomePods, new AirPods, and those have been, it sounds like they're in the works and pretty ready to go. So I think we might see that. Um, I'm, but, I'm curious to hear if there's any rumors about uh, iOS 14. Donna, have you heard much? I haven't heard much about it so far. No, I haven't heard much so far. Um, in our latest issue of iPhone Life, as we usually do, we have a roundup in the office of features that people are hoping for, but that's pretty different than what we actually <laughs> what we actually get. Um, so Maybe no, Tim it'll Cook will hear us out. What? Maybe Tim Cook will read the magazine and hear us out. Yeah. <laughs> Historically, we don't get what we ask for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the other, uh, the other update we have for you is that Apple quietly released a new MacBook, a 13-inch MacBook, last week. Um, is that something that either of you are excited about or what? I am excited to tell you guys about it. I think All it's right. a... So, okay. The good news is it's an improvement off the current MacBook Pro. The bad news is people were hoping for more. Um, but the, the main features of it are it has a new processor. Now you have to get the premium version of the MacBook Pro to get the new processor, but it's using, it's Intel's next generation. It's a 10th generation processor. So it should be a pretty large step up as far as efficiency for your computer. Um, the other thing that people are making a really big deal about is it has Apple's new magic keyboard. So there's been this whole controversy simmering for Apple for MacBook pros. They switched to what they call a butterfly switch a few years ago. And there's been a lot of keyboard failures and people are really frustrated by it. And also it just doesn't provide a very good tactile response as you're typing. Personally, I haven't had any problems with it, but I know our CTO Raf hates it like he completely refuses to use those keyboards um so I, I think everybody's pretty excited that they have the new keyboard um it'll definitely be a large step up as far as if you want to upgrade to the new processor has a new graphics card but it's fundamentally the same computer other than those things um whereas coming up apple is there's a lot of rumors apple's going to switch their form factor from the for the 13 inch to a 14 inch computer, which basically means they're going to make their bezel a lot thinner. So you have the same form factor, but 14 inch computer, which is really nice. The, moving forward, Apple is potentially switching their chips away from Intel and people are really interested in that. So there's a lot coming in Mac, uh, but this one was sort of a, a nice upgrade, but nothing exciting. The other thing that people are excited about is Apple added a physical escape key. So with the, uh, the magic bar up top, I can't remember what it's called, uh, but the, it, the escape key is a touch key that is sometimes there and sometimes not. But people use the escape key a lot and it's frustrating to have, not be able to actually have a key for it. So Apple switched that, which people are excited about. Um, I think it's a nice upgrade. If I were in the market for a computer, it's a nice option. Yeah, to, to the keyboard point, um, my, I have experienced those keyboard failures. I had to take my keyboard to Kansas City and have the, uh, one of the keys replaced. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm starting to have another key fail. Um, oh, no. Um, where the key kind of like, it like sort of sticks, and then sometimes it doesn't like register when you type that key. It's really frustrating. 
Um, I've been wondering what the magic keyboard is. Forgive me if you guys have already talked about this on the podcast, but what is it? It basically just, I, I don't know the technical specs of it, but it just basically claims to fix the problems that Apple had. It actually annoys me that they're calling it a magic keyboard because it basically, they fixed their keyboard and it sounds like they largely went back to their old mechanism of keyboard. So I think it's a little bit more mechanical. Uh, okay. And so it has a better tactile feel. It's more reliable, but it's such an Apple thing to fix a problem they had and then claim it's magic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Never thought about I, it that way, but yeah, you're right. I will say my partner has had problems with the, the butterfly keyboard as well. That she Only one of her shift keys works. <laughs> oh, that's um, super annoying. That's yeah. so frustrating. I just wanted to loop quickly back to WWDC and let you know that ahead of the June 22nd event, we will have an episode dedicated to iOS 14 and iPad OS 14, mm -hmm. speculating on like, first of all, features that we're hoping to see, but also as we get closer to the event, there will be more solid rumors. And a lot of times these days, the rumors are pretty predictive. Um, so I wanted to say that and also just mention a couple of the rumors that I've seen popping out that do seem pretty exciting. Um, you guys can pitch in too if you have any that you want to add. But the, the ones that I'm most excited about are messages upgrades. Uh, in the past couple of years, Apple's already been improving the messages app. Like for instance, the search feature is awesome now. Mm, um, yeah. I like always use the search in my messages app only on my iPhone and not on my computer because the messages the search still sucks on the map yeah, you guys it does that? it's really bad but now like the keyword search is so great in the messages app and it um includes like all the links photos videos anything like that that you've ever posted in there and we'll sort them into different sections and we'll take you directly to the place in the conversation where the thing was mentioned and it's just way better but there's some new features that seem really cool potentially um for instance in group chats they're rumored to have a new kind of Slack-like feature where you can tag a person, do like the at symbol and put their name. So you can mm. like direct uh, what you're saying directly to a specific person in a group chat, because as we all know, group chats can get out of hand. And a lot of times when I'm catching up on a thread, I'm not reading all of them and I might miss something that was like a specific question to me. So that That's seems like that could really be really cool. Another yeah, one I was, is there's I was kind of there's, wishing for that feature this week. Interestingly. Really? Yeah. I was going to say, I think people are all group chatting a lot more right now uh, since we're not all able to hang out as we usually would. Another one is that you might be able to actually retract messages, which is interesting. And it would say message retracted, but like now if you, if you send a message and you delete it, it's only deleted on your end, not on theirs. Mm. Um, I, this I don't know of, that I like that. Yeah, I was going to say, this one feels a little controversial. I'm curious what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, I understand that I've certainly sent messages that I've instantly wished I could retract, so I will definitely <laughs> use this feature. Uh, but there's something frustrating, especially like there's times when you're like having a difficult conversation with somebody where you literally just want to go like check the record of what was said. And if somebody has deleted that, it doesn't, a lot of times you've read it it's already made its impact. And so like deleting it doesn't do that much. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Change the whole dynamic. It's that's interesting. It's no longer permanent. Yeah. yeah. I, that, that's weird to me. I don't know that I like it. I will um, say, 
I will say that I don't know that I've read a lot of rumors, so this is more me speculating, but I'm particularly interested in seeing what they come out with for iPad OS. Cause I think that Apple yes. has really signaled that with the magic, with their new keyboard uh, for the iPad, that they're going to have a lot more support for a mouse and potentially for multitasking and potentially do what I've been calling for Apple to do for like five years now, which is switch much more to a, a closer to what is an operating system for a computer, which makes, op which makes multitasking a lot easier. So I'm really interested yeah. to see what they do with this. Yeah. Well, with iPad OS 13.4, which came out about a month ago, um, Apple did add full mouse support now. Yeah. And it, even the ability, like with a trackpad, you can customize the experience more, like straight in the settings app and connect mouses just through the mice. Yeah, I don't know, through the um, <laughs> Bluetooth settings on your iPad. And so I was really excited to see that. But, and it does make me curious, like where Apple is going to go from here with iPad OS 14, because like you said, right now, the multitasking features are like unintuitive. And even though we're going to write, we are writing articles to help you figure it out. It would be much better if Apple just made the experience better. It could yeah. be cleaned up a lot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, the last feature I just wanted to mention, because I know David has been wanting this forever, ever since I've worked at iPhone Life, is the ability to mark messages as unread in the messages app. Like oh. that's finally being talked about as a feature that might actually come with iPad, with iOS 14. And it's something that I use all the time in the mail app. Like yeah. if you want to, if you quickly see an email and you don't have time to respond in the moment, you just mark it as unread. So you know, to go back to it. Like sure. why in the world do they not have that for the messages app? That makes yeah. sense. Can I tell you the other feature that I've been asking for for like probably five years now? The ability to have multiple profiles like you have on a Mac, especially for the iPad, but for the iPhone as well, where like my stepson uses my iPad, he uses my computer, uh, and he uses my phone. And on my computer, I can log him in as a guest or create his own profile for him. So he can't read my text messages, view my photos, like he can download games <laughs> to his own account. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many reasons why you need to have that and Apple's just completely neglected it and it's really frustrating. That's a really good idea and could be added really simply just by having a different passcode or different face ID or different fingerprint ID. Yeah, it, it, I, I mean know. Apple clearly does it on a Mac so it's a very solved problem. I yeah. feel like Apple just doesn't, they just want you to buy more devices. They don't want to make it like easy to share a device with other people. Mm, that's a good I think, point. I think to be charitable to Apple, I think part of the problem comes with the whole Apple ID conundrum I was talking about earlier, which is that what happens if you download an app? Are you downloading it under the same person's Apple ID or can you have multiple Apple IDs tied to a device? Mm. Um, but they, again, they solved those problems on a Mac. And so I, presumably they can solve them in a similar way on, a, on an iPhone. Yeah. I don't know. Well, all of you listeners at home, stay tuned. We'll continue to update you on what, we're, what we think will happen with iPadOS and iOS 14. But now I think it is time to switch gears and talk about FaceTime. Nicholas, yes. tell us about your guide and... Also, it would be fun just to have you introduce yourself a little bit and like how long you've been at iPhone life and, you know, your experience creating this guide. Yeah. Um, so my name's Nicholas. Uh, I've been <laughs> working at iPhone life since I think it was August of last year. Um, and it's been incredible. I love working for iPhone life. I love working for David and Donna. 
Um, I, it's, it was an interesting challenge to make this FaceTime guide because normally we'd be in the office and I would have access to the podcast studio and um, I had to sort of, we're working from home. So I had to sort of like get creative and do it all in my studio here. Um, and it actually, I feel really happy with how it turned out. I'm really proud of it. Um, I think it's really educational. I'm sending it to my parents because <laughs> they, um, they want to know how to use FaceTime. They're like, they know how to accept a call when I call them on FaceTime, but they don't understand anything else. They don't know how to place a call. Um, and I think that's because even though the FaceTime app is really minimal, it's kind of unapproachable. Um, the interface is a little bit unintuitive, um, but it is integrated into iOS in a lot of clever ways. Um, like in the messages app, you can place a FaceTime call. Um, and I, I think like my goal is just sort of to, to demystify this sort of like deceptively complicated app. Um, I think that's so well put because it's, I've had the same experience Like when you open up the FaceTime app, it's not that obvious like what to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like you see lists of both phone numbers and email addresses, which is confusing too. And you're like, wait, what does this mean? Yeah, so, yeah. It, it looks different than all of the other iOS native apps, which I think is a weird choice. And yeah. you can also, like you're saying, you can access FaceTime through a lot of different places. You can do it through the phone app. You can do it through messages. And so there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And you never show the right way. And sometimes it's like, I'm trying to do a video call, but I actually do a, a phone call or an audio FaceTime call. It, it gets complicated. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and it was cool anytime I get to do one of these projects for iPhone life, it's really cool doing the research and like learning every aspect of it and then seeing how useful it is in my day-to-day -day life. Um, like for example, uh, you can start a group FaceTime call from a group message thread really easily. You just tap the contacts up at the top of the screen and then tap FaceTime. And what it does is creates a group call with whoever's in that message thread and people can leave or join as needed, um, which is, has been a lot of fun actually during quarantine. Like we've, I, I've used it with a group of friends where we just kind of have an ongoing FaceTime call that we jump in and out of. And there's a feature again, the, the interface is kind of unintuitive, but if you like tap the screen in the middle of that group call and swipe up on the bottom menu, you can um, hit ring next to any contact and like kind of it, it like calls them again. It sends them a, a reminder. So that's like something that I had no idea existed. That's been incredibly useful. Cool. So you mean like you had everyone join and some of the people who aren't on the call, you're like, Hey, I, I want to remind them to get on this call. And that's yeah. what you do. I yeah. have no idea oh, about cool. that. No, I didn't know that's that really either. Cool. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's See, a cool Nicholas function. Full of little pearls of wisdom. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a ton of weird little hidden features in FaceTime that make it a lot more useful. Um, another one that's nice that uh, I just showed my mom last night is in a FaceTime call, if you tap, if you tap the screen 
like tap on any contact that you're talking with. Um, a little, a little shutter button appears like when you're in the in the camera app, um, and you can capture a live photo that way. So like, I, that's like something that wouldn't have been very apparent, but is really useful. It captures a little like three second video. Cool. Yeah, I was going to say that was good to describe to people what a live photo is. And I could see that being fun on a FaceTime call um, because like you're, they're having, you could capture like a fun interaction um, instead of just like a still image. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think my mom's going to end up overusing that function. <laughs> my mom, I did a FaceTime call with my parents for Mother's Day and my mom took like a hundred photos of me talking to her and then texted them to me. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks. it's a useful function. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a, a good thing to add there is it does notify everyone on the call that a photo has been taken. So right. yes. it's, that's nice. It's kind of it's, reassuring that people aren't just like on the slide taking photos of you. Yeah. You can, it's, it, you can't do it sneakily which I think is a good thing. It's Apple prioritizing privacy, which is yeah. a good thing. Um, yeah. And also you can actually disable, if you want people to not take live photos of you during a FaceTime call, you can disable that function, which I go over in the guide. Cool. Nicholas, so, okay. that's another thing. I had no idea about that. That's so cool. So to get this guide, if you're already an insider, just go to go log in and it, the guide's already live. If you're not an insider, you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount and we're giving you guys 50% off right now. Or as David told you earlier, 60% if you're a senior yes. veteran, service personnel or health professional. So that's awesome. awesome. It's like our best deal that we ever offer right now. Yeah. You're never going to get a better deal. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about our second sponsor for this episode. Um, Fanatic. Yes, Fanatic. Fanatic. Okay, so I'm excited to tell you guys about Fanatic. They're one of our longest time sponsors. So you guys have heard me talk about them, but I love their app. It's called Informant 5, and it's a calendar app. And we like it's to say- It's a free calendar app. It's a free calendar app. And we like to say it's the calendar app Apple should have made. And they've done a lot of things really well. First of all, they've really focused on the UI. Uh, and so I find it more intuitive to use an Apple's calendar app. It's easier to use. It's across all platforms. So if you happen to not have a Mac computer, for example, it's really nice because it'll sync from your iPhone to your PC, to your, uh, to your uh, whatever tablet you have. The other thing that Apple did, or that Informant 5 did really well, is it combines reminders and a calendar into one app. So a lot of times with the Apple apps, I'm trying to figure out, wait, am I scheduling a reminder or am I scheduling a meeting? There's similar functions and putting them in one app is really powerful and it's easier and it's intuitive. And like Nicholas said, it's free. So check it out. It's called Informant 5. All right, let's talk about the apps and gear we're using right now. Um, Nicholas. You are, we're going to put you on the spot. What, what's an app or accessory you like right now? Um, yeah, so I just got this thing called a Marshall Uxbridge, which is like basically a, it's basically like an Alexa speaker, which I'm not like a fan of the, I don't want to have a, a speaker in my house that's like recording my voice. Um, I'm not really a fan of the like voice recorded speakers but it is a a, a, a wi-fi speaker and um i found this app which is like 
become my favorite app. It's got a terrible name, but it's called Radio with five zeros. <laughs> no, five <laughs> O's, I mean. Radio. Um, I kind of like the name. <laughs> yeah, here's, for video viewers, I just showed it on the screen. But um, mm -hmm. this is the best app ever. I love this app. It's free. Um, you can choose. It's basically a world map. Oh, and, I've heard this. Yeah. Um, you can choose any country and any decade, and it'll just start streaming music uh, from that decade, from that country. And I love world music. I love African music, especially from like the 1960s and 70s. And um, so that's amazing for me. It's like very, uh, it just does it for you. I don't have to make a lot of, like, I just have to make the decision of the country and the decade and then it just goes very cool and is it free it's free yeah cool it's a really cool app i love that oh. app i use it all the time um but i play it through that speaker that i got in the kitchen and i dance while i'm cooking pasta <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i think that extra detail was really important <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have somebody on here who really cares about privacy because Donna and I are both like, no, we love having our voice recorded in our homes. We love Amazon <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> I know. I know. It's bad. Um, so the app I wanted to tell you about that I've been trying the past few days that I really like is um, called Shop. And it does a few things, but the feature that I've been really loving is that it tracks, it like tells you all in one app about all of your packages in transit. So you basically log in with, you can add any email addresses that you have. Cause like most anything that you're having shipped is gonna have email notifications to you. So it, it gets hooked into your accounts that way. And so it's telling me, um, you know, what all has been delivered to me through Amazon, of course. And then also anything that I ordered not through Amazon. And this is cool just because I'd already downloaded separately the UPS app and the FedEx app and like, those apps are great, but it's better just being able to see it all in one place. Um, and so I've been really happy with it so far. It, the notifications are nice too. Um, and yeah, I, I haven't played around with it that much. Like I know there are some other features you can do that you can do as well. Like you can um, add your favorite local stores and get updates about stuff like that too. But just alone for the shipping notifications, I like it. And it's really highly rated. That is very cool. Is it free? Yes, it's free. And what's it called one more time? Shop. Shop. Yeah. Cool. Keeps it, keeps it nice and simple. <laughs> okay. I've got a weird one for you guys. Um, Cause it's obviously a company you all know, but uh, I, I love Amazon prime. I have Amazon prime. I have all these subscriptions set up uh for me where i just ship like all of my household goods basically just get shipped to me if you don't have kind of amazon if you have amazon prime and you haven't set that up it's really nice because you save like 15 percent on anything that you have these reoccurring purchases on and then i also have an amazon credit card so i save an extra five percent on that i end up saving like 20 percent. i get all my like toilet paper and paper towels and soap and all that stuff shipped to me i love it but with the times uh, there's been a lot of shortages on Amazon. And so things that I normally just have shipped to me, I can't on Amazon. And then 
our local stores are sold out a lot of times. And I also don't want to really go in my stores. I want to ship to me right now because I'm social distancing. So I have found that Walmart ha uh, often has a lot of um, supplies that Amazon doesn't. And I've had a much more success get getting supplies from there. So things like toilet paper and paper towels and soap, I haven't been able to get on Amazon, which has been driving me nuts. Uh, but I have the Walmart app and I've been using it and they ship it to me and they have a lot more of the things that I like. Um, so it's sort of my fallback because I still love Amazon Prime, but I, I do recommend having a fallback source and I've been using Walmart. Uh, one tip, if you do download it, you can, when you search for something, if you go to filter, you can filter to ships to home and that way it'll only, because they show you a lot of things that they have in your local Walmart. Uh, but you want really the things that they're going to ship so you don't have to pick it up. Uh, and that's what I found to be successful. Have you guys had this problem of the things you normally buy from Amazon just aren't there right now? Yes. I, one thing I've really noticed, just a good thing to pay attention to for anyone listening, is when you check out, make sure to look at like when the shipping date is. Yes. Because if you're an Amazon Prime member, we've all gotten spoiled and you just assume like, oh yeah, it'll be here in two days, tops. But that's just not the case anymore. Like a lot of stuff um, is either, I mean, you'll notice if it's sold out, but a lot of it's like just low in stock and like sometimes will take weeks or months before it's mm -hmm. coming. So I think I ordered some toilet paper a couple months ago that's supposed to come sometime in June. <laughs> yeah, it's so frustrating. So I've had better luck with Walmart. I don't have free shipping. So, but if you spend, I think over $50, you get free shipping. So that's what I've just been doing. Also, the other reason I've been using Walmart even before the pandemic is for, there's certain products where there's a lot of fraud on Amazon, things like shampoo. People will buy the shampoo bottles and then fill it with cheaper shampoo and do really sketchy things like really? that. I didn't yeah. Know that. Oh, there's so much fraud on Amazon. So definitely, first of all, on Amazon, make sure you're reading reviews of all the products because people will usually point out if they think it's fraudulent. Um, and so Walmart... Sometimes what I try to do on Amazon is if I'm buying something that there's a lot of fraudulent reports, I'll make sure that the seller is Amazon because there's a lot of third party sellers. So that's what I do. But sometimes if I can't get the seller to be Amazon, I'll go to Walmart and I'll get the seller of Walmart and Walmart has the same problem of fraud too. But sometimes I can source things where I trust it a little more if I'm using two different apps. Have you, do you guys have a fallback app if Amazon doesn't have what you want? Not really. Um, no. I've just been going more to like local grocery stores. Mm -hmm. I, I use eBay sometimes. I mean, not, I don't know that I'd use that for toilet paper, but like for certain <laughs> things. Um, but yeah, eBay is still awesome, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I got some stuff on eBay during this time too. So where, how are you, how's your toilet paper and paper towel situation looking, guys? <laughs> Not good, to be honest. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm down to like six rolls. I'm starting to panic. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's why you downloaded the shop app to see when it's, your toilet paper is going to arrive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well I did find yesterday. out until June, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> I did find yesterday toilet paper on Walmart. So there you go. But I'm revealing this to all of our podcast audience. So it'll uh -oh. I found it before and it like I posted it on Facebook. And by the time my friends looked, it was all gone. So check regular. That's another tip. Check regularly because the stocks come back and go out. Yeah. Good to know. Hey, can I do one more? Can I do yeah. another? It's been really useful. Um, this one's also free. It's called Splitwise. 
Mm. Um, I love Splitwise. You use it. Okay. Mm -hmm. This one's really useful. Um, I use it almost every day. Uh, my partner and I buy, we, we like, if you ever run into the issue where you're like, whose turn is it to buy dinner? Um, this is like incredibly useful for that. We just like anytime we're, we're buying something that's a shared expense, groceries or, or dinner or whatever, um, you just punch it into this app and it just keeps track of it. We, when we first started dating, she suggested um, using a spreadsheet for that. And I was like, <laughs> we could do that, but that feels weirdly formal. Um, and then, yeah, so, so Splitwise does that. It's also really useful if you have roommates or mm -hmm. um, just want to split something amongst a group. Um, and it's totally free. I love Splitwise. I recommend it. Yeah, I love it, especially it's great. I mean, not for right now, but for group trips, I find it particularly useful. Um, and one of the features it has that I love is it'll consolidate expenses. So a lot of times you end up with these weird situations where it's like, if you have five people on a trip, I might owe one person $5, but then they owe the next person $10, who then owes me $3. And you end up with these little chains of how much each person owes. And with Splitwise, it'll just consolidate it. So it'll make sure each person's just making one payment as opposed to like each person's paying the other four members of the group and it gets really hard to calculate. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it for group trips. It's like invaluable. We should have used that on the CES trip. Yeah, we yeah. often do actually. I was surprised we didn't. I should use this with my sisters because we do group gifts constantly for people in our families. And it'll be the same thing where it's like, one person bought something and then like it, yeah, like the weird circular thing that you just talked about. And we always have a hard time figuring it out and are not doing it efficiently at all. And I totally forgot about this app. So thank you, Nicholas. I will definitely <laughs> be the checking that tip, out. I have one more tip for this. It's not a technical solution, but what I tend to do both like when I had roommates or when I was managing household expenses that I was collecting a lot of money for, I just got a separate credit card just for those expenses. And then I just looked at that credit card and whatever I had on there, I knew I was splitting. And that worked really well for me. That's a good one too. Um, why don't we go to our next section now where we tell people about content we've been enjoying during the quarantine. Yes. Um, the last episode was our first time doing this and we'll continue at least as long as we're working from home and uh, while we're social distancing. I don't have as many uh, updates since two weeks ago as I did last time, but um, we still have some good content recommendations. I still haven't checked out Orthodox, which David, you recommended last time. And I unorthodox. Really it's unorthodox. unorthodox. It's amazing. Okay. I can't That's recommend high on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that net is that Netflix? What's yeah, that? it's a mini series on Netflix about um, a person who leaves the Orthodox uh, Hasidic Jewish community in Brooklyn. And it's is it really a document beautiful. documentary or more it's based like on a true story, but it's fictionalized, okay. um, but they really captured a lot of the kind of the traditions of that community in a way, because it's such an insular community is not typically captured and it's really beautifully done. Cool. Um, my recommendation for this week is a book and actually Colin told me about it and Donna, um, you mentioned last week that Tyler's favorite book is Shogun, right? Yeah. So I, that's one of my favorite books as well. And I love historical fiction. Um, and so I'm reading a book now that takes place in a similar time. So it takes place in feudal Japan and I think the 1500s. Uh, and it's uh, called Musashi. 
I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but that's as close as I can get. And basically, Musashi is it's a it's based it's a bio, biography. Musashi is considered the greatest Japanese warrior of all time, uh, and because it's based on a true story, it's really just fascinating. Um, it's 900 pages, so it's really long, but it's really easy to read. It's like very like light reading. It's nice escapism. Um, and it's fun because based on a true story, it's actually, it's interesting. It started originally as a newspaper series in the 1930s in Japan. And so it's translated from that time. And so what makes it nice is it, each chapter is sort of its own like little episode because it was from that series. Um, and so it's very easy to read and I'm really enjoying it. Hmm. Awesome. I still haven't read awesome. Shogun. Which I like I Shogun to... better. If you're going to do one, I think Shogun's better. It's also, I think Shogun's like 1,200 pages, so it's even more. Um, Shogun yeah. is like, has a little bit of a richer plot. This is like, uh, because it's a biography, it's sort of just little like snippets from his life. Um, but it's really, it's really entertaining. Yeah, Tyler recently bought like six paperback of copies of Shogun just to like give out to all of his friends to try to get them to read it. <laughs> and I still have only got a hundred pages in just cause there was like a brutal, uh, a brutal torture scene right at the beginning that I just couldn't yeah. get through. Yeah. And but every, it was really well written. It was very realistically written. <laughs> there, I think yeah. it's the only torture scene in the book, but it okay. is pretty brutal. And there's a lot, you know, that culture in that time, there was a lot of like ritual suicides. So you have to sort of be okay with that as well. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Nicholas, why don't you go next? Yeah. Um, so I have kind of specific taste, but uh, <laughs> there's this, this Netflix show called Midnight Gospel that I've been enjoying a whole lot. Oh, um, I watched the first episode. I, I adore that show. It's created by one of my favorite partners, Duncan Trussell. Um, it's definitely very esoteric if you're it's like deals with like Buddhism and spiritualism and like magic and uh, it's it takes the form of a podcast and makes it into a surrealist cartoon um, so I'm not I don't know if you're if you're interested in something kind of cerebral and psychedelic I would recommend that um, also Donna recommended to me to check out the movie uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was just a perfect film. I adored that movie. Uh, it's kind of slow, kind of moody, kind of an art film. So if that's your thing, check that out. Also, the album, uh, this this is more, I feel like, more approachable to everyone. The mm -hmm. album Forever Turned Around by Whitney. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been listening to on repeat lately. I love that band. Um, they go for like kind of a very nostalgic feeling sound. It's like, sounds like it was probably recorded to tape um, and just a beautiful record. Cool. Well, could you repeat that what record. that one's called again? It's the band is called Whitney. They're based out of Chicago. This, the album is called Forever Turned Around. I actually think both of you would love it. Mm. I, I, I really like Whitney. I actually was supposed to see them live in Chicago and then it got rained out and I was really sad. Mm, yeah. I, saw I thought you were going to say you couldn't go because of the coronavirus. No. <laughs> yeah, this was a while ago. Yeah, we, Laura and I bought tickets to Pitchfork Music Festival mm. in Chicago and it just oh, got canceled. We're really that's sad. Yeah. That's so sad. 
I went to Pitchfork. I was thinking about going this year again, but I went like a decade ago and it was Mm. really fun. (laughs) It was definitely, I feel like it'd be a very different experience going now. Like I'd still would have fun, but I feel like I'd also get really tired. (laughs) Yeah, we were, yeah, we were conflicted because like it got canceled, which was really sad. But if it wasn't canceled, like, would we feel comfortable in a big group? Like, how's, how long until we'll feel comfortable in a big group of people? That, honestly, I mean, something like a music like festival, <laughs> it's going to be it's yeah. gonna be when we have a vaccine. Like, music festivals are just the worst idea right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, well, Donna, what's yours? Yeah. Okay. Well, so definitely, I just want to back Nicholas up on Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, I feel like it was just, like, a really beautiful love story. And... I just wanted to warn people, though, that you might cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I but cried no, it was pretty really hard and or- unorthodox, too, for the record. <laughs> really? Yeah. But it's good. Like, I mean, most of the time you, I watch, you, like, you want to feel something when you're watching a, <laughs> yeah. a film or something. So it's not like a bad thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I started listening to a podcast called Beyond Belief. And it's kind of fun because in general, in general, I've gotten away from kind of like woo-woo beliefs, but um, this podcast kind of takes a journalistic approach to learning about different interesting belief systems. Like one of them was uh, recently about Satanism and like the kind of history behind that and why some people are like freshly getting into it for... um, interesting reasons I don't know it's just sort of like it's just sort of like fascinating oh another one was about talking to like uh, being psychic and just sort of talking to people who say that they're psychic mediums and things like that and it's just like not that I believe any of these things but it's just (laughs) interesting to hear about sort of fascinating different ways that people look at the world I guess. That sounds so oh. cool. I want to check that out right beyond, now. Yeah. Beyond belief. I, I'll check it beyond out. Beyond belief. It's pretty cool. I think, can we make our question of the day this week? Uh, are you guys enjoying the content we're listening to section? We just added it. It's a, it's a little bit different flavor than the rest of our podcast, a little bit less iPhone related. Is this something that's helpful to you guys? Are you enjoying it? Also, we'll crowdsource this. If you have any content that you're particularly enjoying right now, send us an email and let us know why as well at podcast at iphonelife.com. Yes, thanks everyone. And this, uh, this wraps up our 135th episode of the iPhone Life podcast. Um, unless either of you had anything to add. And of course, we'll also have a few minutes where we have exclusive content for our insider subscribers. But uh, am I missing anything that you guys wanted to add before we close up the episode? No, I would just like to ask everybody, we haven't asked people in a while, if you could just do us a very small favor and take a minute to review the app, or sorry, review the podcast and the podcast app. It helps other people find it. Obviously, we make this podcast free for everyone, and it's a small thing you can do that helps us out, so we really appreciate it. We especially appreciate it if you give us good reviews. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) because it's, yeah. it's painful going and reading those reviews about me I'm, I'm not gonna lie when I read those they're a little painful <laughs> <laughs> mostly yeah, we do they, get good reviews I just want to preface that we usually get good reviews yeah just a few people that complain about me 
Everyone loves you, David. Not everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks Thanks. so much. And thanks to uh, David and Donna for having me on the podcast. Thanks for coming, Nicholas. It was fun. Yeah, it was really fun.